Ready to study 2 Corinthians chapter 2? Lord, we are here before you, and we're here with your precious word in our hands. And we know that you speak by your spirit through your word. We know that we need it. We come to eat, Lord, spiritual food. We come with anticipation in our hearts. We know that the seed is good. Your word is is always right, always pure, always true. But we need you to soften us and, and make us fertile soil for your word. That picture, that analogy that you gave to us in your word, how good it is. And right now, Lord, we, we don't want to be like the hard soil where the word just bounces off. We don't want to be like those who receive the word gladly and then have all this other stuff come in and choke out that word. It was the weeds, the cares of this world. We don't want to allow the evil one to, to come like the birds and pick the seed and take it away. Lord, we, we're ready for you. Thank you for showing us grace. Thank you for being our teacher, our master, and our king. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. A couple of you noticed, but not as many of you as, as I would hope to notice. You smelled something different. I noticed that a couple of you noticed because you kind of looked around and some of you went like, like this because we plugged in a couple of those smell good diffusers in the receptacles around the outside. And I was trying to make a point. I, wanted, I need a more powerful smell, I guess, for the point to be made. I think potluck overwhelms the smell of the <laughs> scent diffusers. I think that's what happens. But when it comes to those little scent diffusers, some people think they smell great. They're like, the more scent diffusers you have, the better. That's like my wife. It's hard to plug anything in in the house because you have to take one out one of these smell good scent diffusers. Unlike my son, Christian, who would... He can only be in Bath and Body Works for a limited amount of time, or he starts to get a headache, and it's legitimate. So on Mother's Day, if he goes in there with a gas mask, the gas mask, you'll know it's a labor of love. I'm in here to get some, some body gel and smell good for my mom, because it just bugs his breathing and his allergies. He literally has a headache after a while. We just send Mercy in there, and she gets the right stuff. But the point is this. There is a fragrance... And it smells great to some people, and it smells terrible to other people. To some, it's sweet, but to others, it's just an odor. It's a stench. That's what our passage is about today, an odor that appeals to some, but it's offensive to others. That is the fragrance of Jesus. Today, please think, you're smelling something and if it is of Jesus, if it is really him, the creator, the redeemer, your sustainer, then you want it to appeal to you. You want it to smell good to you. And there's another possibility there that when you would hear and you would see and that you would even smell of Jesus, that you would be repelled by it. That's what the passage says today. Don't let the perfect love of Jesus repel you. Let it draw you. Are you with me? Let it pull you in. There's nothing else like it. There's no one else 
like Jesus. Today is titled, How Do You Smell? That could mean, how do you smell? Like the smell check, right? <laughs> right? Or it could also mean, how's your sense of smell? When, when you smell something, does it smell good to you? Does the fragrance of Christ smell good to you? Let's look at verse 14 in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, triumph in Jesus. That's why we sang victory in Jesus just now, because Jesus is the victor, isn't he? And he has won the victory for us. He's forgiven us. He's redeemed us. He set us free from our sins. And we're just following behind the commander. He is the life giver. He is the victorious one. And we have victory only in Jesus in this life. Read on. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. The fragrance of Christ. It's uniquely him. It permeates all that he is. It is you and I seeing his love, sensing his love, hearing of his love, but it's also smelling it. This is what Ephesians 5, 2 says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. Listen, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet, swelling, smelling aroma. Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. And even though that was a terribly painful sacrifice, the father said, that smells good to me. The offering of Christ's life was pleasing to the father, even though he suffered nails in his hands, nail in his feet, beaten so badly that you couldn't recognize him. The father said, that smells good to me. That is sweet to me. How could the father say that when his own son is being put to death? Because the Lord knew that he was accomplishing our salvation, that Jesus was paying for our sins. The aroma of Christ, he offered himself, and that is a beautiful sacrifice. That's a beautiful scent, so to speak. Our first application is right there in the first two verses. Diffuse the fragrance of Christ. Do you see that you and I are supposed to be diffusers, not of our own fragrance, but of the aroma of Jesus? That's what we're called to. We're, we're supposed to be emanating the same scent as Jesus. The love that others sense from Jesus, they should also sense from us. Why does the Bible put it this way in terms of what we smell? That's interesting to me. Consider this. Usually, you see someone before you smell them. Usually, you hear someone before you smell them. Normally, you have to get close to somebody before you sense what they smell like, correct? You see them, you hear them, and then you smell them. Now, I know there are exceptions to that. <laughs> I think of a skunk on the road. Usually, you smell the skunk before you see the skunk, but it's got to be a pretty powerful odor for it to work that way, correct? Usually, as we're looking at you, you see someone, you hear someone, but then you smell 
It's more subtle. I guess that's what I'm saying. So you and I, as believers, diffusing the fragrance of Christ, yes, let it be seen, let it be heard. But there's a subtle part of the way we are supposed to deliver the scent of Christ in those subtleties. Yes, be bold. I'm not saying you shouldn't be bold. I'm saying that there's also a discreet way to have the fragrance of Christ in our lives. Even though the aroma is more difficult to detect most of the time, we should have the aroma of Christ. Our scent should communicate Christ. What else is this epistle saying, this letter saying? It is saying that every part of us should portray Christ, that every part of my life and every part of your life, if you're a Christian today, should emanate Jesus. Your actions, your thoughts, there shouldn't be anything on reserve. People should not be saying, well, they look good. And they, they sound good. But the closer I get, something smells fishy. Something's wrong. Isn't that why we use that phrase? Something smells fishy. We're not literally saying something stinks. We're saying the closer I get to this, the more I see that it's not genuine. With us, the closer we get to one another, the more we work together, the more we walk together, it should be apparent that even the scent of our lives is not of ourselves. It is of Christ. People should not be saying of us, oh, something isn't right. The more they get to know you, they should see more and more that you are emulating Jesus. Isn't that rare? Usually the more you know somebody, the less you like them. At least that's my perspective. But there are certain people powered by Jesus with the Spirit of the Lord. The, the more you know them, the more you like them, the more you see that they really are walking with the Lord, emanating his fragrance to people around them. We are to be diffusers to who? To disciples, but also to those who are not yet disciples. We are supposed to be that fragrant aroma to believers and to unbelievers. That's what the word of God is saying to us here. To the lost and to the found. I often think of emanating Christ to unbelievers. I'm thinking, how do I portray Christ? Is this accurate? God does keep that in the forefront of my mind often. I don't want to misrepresent Jesus. You don't either, right? I want them to see Christ in my life. I don't want anything to get in front of that. I don't want them to know me. I want them to know the Lord. I think of that often. I don't want to misrepresent. I don't want to smell funny to those who the Lord is drawing in. But I often don't think that I'm supposed to be emanating that fragrance to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I often think, oh, you already know the Lord. I can stink it up around you. You already know his love. That's not what the word says. That you and I are supposed to be the fragrance of Christ, yes, to the unbelieving world, but also to each other that we would be more and more like Jesus to each other and not merely saying, well, they ought to get their act together. They ought to be mature enough. But no, am I oozing with Jesus, smelling like Jesus? What are you known for by the world and by the believers? Look at what the word says here about us diffusing the fragrance of Christ. I noticed that it said, in every place. Phrases like that are not accidental in the word of God, are they? This means that we're supposed to be smelling like Jesus everywhere we go. 
at home, in our families, when we're by ourselves, when we're in the workplace, when we're out in public, when we're at school, when we're here among the body of Christ, in every place diffusing the fragrance of Christ. Shopping, eating, every place smelling like Jesus. How do we have the fragrance of Christ? One of the ways is included right here, and it is knowledge. That as we diffuse the fragrance of Jesus, part of that is that we're giving the knowledge of the Lord. It is true that knowledge can puff up. Isn't that what the word says? That it can make us prideful. But the word also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So according to the word, there's also a way to use knowledge to be a fragrance of Christ. Jesus is and was a teacher. He dispensed knowledge, knowledge of the kingdom of God, knowledge of sin, knowledge of his grace, did he not? Wherever he went, he was diffusing that knowledge. That's a part of what you and I are to do. Yes, show it in your life, but open up your lips and be a fragrant aroma of knowledge. Speak of the emptiness of sin. Speak of the devices of the devil because they really are out there. We're called to be diffusers of knowledge, to open up our lips, to open up our mouths. Now it's to be with discretion. And that's part of the reason the word puts it this way. We're not just supposed to be knowledge in a way that's cramming it on people, but a balance of boldness and smelling like Jesus in the knowledge that we emanate with tact, with discretion, not puffing up or making ourselves full of pride. The middle of verse 15 says, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So there are the two groups, the saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. How do we diffuse the fragrance of Christ? Through knowledge, but also through the fragrance of life. Jesus Christ is life. He is real life. Believer, brother, sister, are you moping around as you represent the Lord? Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm doing the right thing. Woe is me, I'm walking with the Lord. Poor me, I'm not having near as much fun as I would be if I was out there living as a slave to sin. What is our attitude? What is our mentality? What is our countenance as we walk with God? Are we sharing the truth through our lives that to live is Christ? that there's nothing better than living for Jesus. Living in bondage to sin stinks. Amen? Living away from the Lord in emptiness, chasing after the things of the world, living in pride or in lust or in greed, that's a ripoff. That is not real life. But here we're to emanate or we're to diffuse the fragrance of life, living for the Lord and with the Lord. That is real life. Jesus said it. I come that you would have life. Now the lies of this world say life 
And real life, real freedom is to just grab whatever you want. The Lord is the one who tells us the truth that we will buy ourselves into bondage, that we will become slaves to our own foolish decisions. But in Jesus, there is true life. There is true freedom. And some of you have walked in that life. And this is being confirmed in your soul. There's nothing better than the life of Christ in me. In fact, every time I've known a barren life, a bitter life, every time I've known my own depravity, it's always ended up in more and more emptiness, less and less life, more and more dryness. Diffuse the fragrance of life. A part of the way we communicate Jesus is not through our mopiness, but it's through our rejoicing that he is true life, to know him. There's nothing better than knowing him. But look, some are offended. It's sad, but as Christ emanates his love, it is offensive to those who are perishing. Jesus doesn't want them to perish. He isn't willing that one soul would perish. But the perishing, those who are turning their backs on God and his love, they make this beautiful fragrance out to be a stench. They sense his love, his truth, his grace, but it repels them. They pick up on the aroma that's coming from the Lord and I hope, hopefully coming from me and from you. But what does the word say? It becomes the aroma of death. What is more stinky than a dead body? It's pretty stinky. Once you know that smell of something is dead over there and it's big, even if you find a dead rat, it's that little, but a dead body, the stench. So beware. There are certainly those who have made the beautiful fragrance of Christ out to be the stench of death. Listen to this. They've paid attention to the first part of the word when it says, the wages of sin is death. But they haven't paid attention to the second part of the verse that says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Beware. Many of the perishing only hear of the death, only hear the Bible teaches, and it does, that if we die in our sins unforgiven, then we're lost, we're condemned. And they say, oh, how dare anybody say that, that we're condemned. But they don't read the rest of it. They don't see, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That means you don't have to perish. You don't have to live in bondage to your sin. You don't have to be unforgiven. You don't have to wonder if you're going to be in heaven or hell. You can know by receiving the gift of the Lord Jesus. Isn't that what so many in this world are doing? They're rejecting Jesus before they even hear the full story. I know what Jesus is about. He's about condemning. He's about judging. We've already judged ourselves by committing our sins. We've already offended God. There's not a person here that hasn't sinned many times. What do we do with that sin? The word says the fragrance of Christ calls to us and says, give me your sins. Let me wash them away. You don't have to work your way to me. But the gift of God is eternal life. The other lie out there is that you and I can somehow work our way to God, that we can be good people, and that at some point God will be happy with us and say, good little boy, you can go to heaven now. Huge 
lie, major deception. God never says that in his word. In fact, he says, for by grace you have been saved. It's only because of my unmerited favor towards you through the cross that you can be saved from your sins. You can't work your way to me. But don't you see how so many are perishing and to them the aroma of Christ is a stench. That grieves me. It grieves you and it grieves God. Let's not come off as people that are like, well, you ought to know better. You won't take the love of Jesus, so you're just stupid, or I could say I'll fill out a lot of other things. No, there, there are many, and they're blind. And there's nothing in the word that says that me going in there and ripping the blinders off of their eyes is the way to go. No, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So when we come off in a combative way, and I'm a combative person, you guys know me. That doesn't emanate Christ. Knowledge and life emanate Christ. May we accurately portray him. And this first application of diffusing the fragrance of Christ, I noticed where it says, for we are the aroma at the beginning of verse 15. Did you notice that? This should not be interpreted as we are automatically aromatic like Christ, even if we have a stinky life. I've heard this verse preached that way. This is who you are. We are the aroma of Christ. No, Paul is saying we, as in himself, Timothy, Silas, and Titus, he's saying we have rightly represented Christ to you. At this point, every we in the book has been about him and his co-laborers. We have been the fragrance of Christ to you. Not this name and claim it. Well, you are a good smelling. Actually, if your life is stinky, you don't smell like Jesus. That's the truth. What else is Paul saying as he writes this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He's also saying that all Christians have it in them to be the fragrance of Christ because they have the Holy Spirit living in them. Now, it's not automatic because we have choices and we can stink it up sometimes. Isn't that true? We can. We can be poor examples of Jesus. But if you have believed upon Jesus Christ as Lord, if you believe that God has raised him from the dead, then you have it in you to emanate the scent of Christ. It needs to be stirred up. This should not be turned into a statement about who we are unless we're living that way. Do you remember scratch and sniff stickers? I love scratch and sniff stickers. I don't even know if they have them anymore. I'm so old. But I, when I was a kid, I'm just hungry all the time. And they were great because you could stick them on your schoolwork and just like scratch it and just smell them. The kid in the fourth grade, I remember Todd, he ate a scratch and sniff sticker. <laughs> and it didn't taste good, right? But like the sense in the sticker, right? But it's got to be stirred up. It's got to be scratched before it starts smelling like what it's supposed to. That's you and me. We need to be stirred up to be like Jesus. It doesn't happen automatically. It's not our default. Our, our default is to go back and walk in the flesh, and we need to keep setting our eyes on Jesus, stirring up in us the spirit which gives us the aroma of Christ. So we should not use you are the aroma of Christ as this blanket statement that makes people feel good. 
Many Christians are not necessarily smelling like Jesus. We want to smell like Christ. We want to rightly represent him. What an honor to represent Jesus to each other and to this world. Amen? Amen. What a privilege to say, Lord, you want to permeate through my life. Don't be odorous. Often I hear people say, you know, at work, they don't like me. At home, they don't like me. My neighbor doesn't like me. And it's because I smell like Jesus. Maybe it's just because you smell. Maybe it's just because there's an obnoxiousness. And we can easily say, well, that's the Jesus in me that offends them. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the self coming out of us. Now, it is true that as we diffuse the fragrance of Christ, there will be those that just say, no, I don't want any part of that. And they'll despise us for it. But I'm checking myself. I hope you're checking yourself. Smell check. Am I diffusing the fragrance of Christ? Or have I started to smell too much like myself again? Middle of 16 says, and who is sufficient for these things? Hmm. For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So second application, I point out to you that you should find your sufficiency in Christ. Find your sufficiency in Christ. Look, the question is posed, who is enough to represent Christ? Isn't that what it's saying in the middle of 16? Or who is equal to such a task as this? Who can actually smell like Jesus? Isn't that what the writer is saying? What a task to transpose Jesus to others. This is a statement of insufficiency. We can't be the fragrance of Christ, the fragrance of knowledge, the fragrance of life without Jesus. In ourselves, we can't do it. But it's also a statement of sufficiency because we are not strong in ourselves, but we're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Jump ahead in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Isn't that a clear statement? Not that we think we're sufficient to smell like Jesus. But instead, our sufficiency is from God. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. So we are empowered and enabled by the Lord himself wholly leaning on him, we are sufficient for the task. But if we're leaning on self, if we're leaning on the flesh, if we're leaning on our own, leaning on our own willpower, we are not sufficient for the task. We cannot emanate Christ. We'll just keep emanating ourselves. Some people really like The Chosen, the, the series about the life of Christ. And some people really don't like it. But as I was watching some of the episodes, I was reflecting and asking myself, what's good about this? Now, some of you want to talk about what's bad about this, but I was like, what's good about this? And as I'm watching and as I'm listening, the portrayal of Christ is good. 
You might not agree with that, but just go with me for a little second here. Is it Jonathan Romine, who's the actor who's got this amazing task of portraying Jesus? I mean, think about that. Like, I'm going to play Jesus? (laughs) I'm going to talk and walk and be amongst people? I'm going to portray Christ? How his attitude, his love, his truth? Wow. You might not agree with me, but you you would agree with this, that what an amazing privilege and what an amazing task, what an amazing role to have. In one interview, he, as I was watching, trying to figure this, he even said, like, I have to get this right. I, I can't mess this role up. And so many people said, yeah, wow, what a role. What a privilege. But you know what? You and I are called to represent Jesus. And it's not a play. It's not play acting. It's real life. We might look on and say, wow, what a, what a task, what a privilege, or he's not doing a good job, or he is doing a good job. That's the critic in us. He should represent Jesus better. You know what? You're supposed to represent Jesus. Every day, smell like him, look like him, think like him, act like him. So instead of judging the actor, let's turn the word of God on ourselves and say, where do I smell like Jesus? And where do I smell like Eddie? What a privilege, what an honor to represent the Lord in his word. The strength is from him. Go back to verse 14 in chapter 2. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. The victory of representing Christ, the victory of our salvation, the victory of our salvation, of our sanctification, it's all from him. We're following behind him. He is our portion. He is more than enough, isn't he? Now how can we do this? How can we rightly represent the Lord? How can we smell like him instead of just criticizing the actor that's not doing such a good job in the 2% of what he's doing. We got to be plugged in, don't we? The little wall diffusers plugged into the receptacles, they don't smell unless they're plugged in. Nothing comes out of them. You could spill them, right? But if they're sealed up, it's like they've got to have the power. They got to be plugged in, right? Are you plugged in or are you dried up? How are you smelling? Consider Peter and John. This is what my wife's teaching in Sunday school right now. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. The fragrance of Christ, it doesn't happen unless we're plugged into Jesus, unless we're with Jesus. That preposition, soon or sin, it denotes a union with. They had been with Jesus. A close union is what it means. A companionship, a process, and a resemblance. There's a lot packed into that word with. It means they had been plugged into Jesus. They have been companions of Jesus. They had been resembling Jesus in a close union. Unless we're with the Lord, plugged into him, then he's not going to rub off on us, right? You can't smell like Jesus unless you're with him. 
Find your sufficiency in Christ. Verse 17, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Application number three, sincerely serve the word. When I say serve, I mean serve it up. Because what do we learn here? That there are those who peddle God's word. There are a fair number of preachers who used to be salesmen. (laughs) People see it as the same kind of job. Like, do you think I'm selling you Jesus? Now, I want you to be sold on Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I want you to receive Jesus. But that's not the same thing of trying to talk you into something so that I can get gain from it. Look at what the word of God is saying here. There are some, there are many even, that take God's word and they peddle it. Yeah, they proclaim it. Yes, they say it. It's a part of their speech. But their motive is not a good one. They're there to actually take from you, not to feed you. Beware of those who peddle the word of God. Are they going to speak it to some extent? Yes, they will. They're peddling the word of God. Don't be a peddler of the word of God, telling people what fits their flesh, telling people what fits their demented desires, becoming a people pleaser, an ear tickler. You know, it's not just pastors, preachers, teachers, although many times it is, but there are those who literally use God's word as a way to come in and please people, as a way to come in and appeal to people's flesh instead of unearth their flesh. When I need changing, I want to know it from the word of God. I know it's comforting at times, but it should also be very challenging and very convicting. Otherwise, the word's just being peddled. Don't follow peddlers of the word of God. They're salesmen, not true teachers. They want to use you, not feed you. Are you struck by the phrase at the end of the chapter there? We speak in the sight of God in Christ. I am. That means God sees our service. And even though we could be fooling people, he's watching us and we're not fooling him. If we have an ulterior motive, if we're trying to get our own desires done through the word of God or through the ministry to the Lord, the Lord sees that. He sees right through it. We are able at times to trick people, even trick ourselves into thinking, I am truly about what God is about. I'm truly after what he is after in his word. And there are so many tangents that peddlers use. Please don't fall prey to a peddler. Pay attention. Every time, evaluate what I say, what anybody says from this pulpit. Is this true and is it right? Now, if it offends you, and it's an offense in a good way, an offense because it's true, so be it. But is this true? Is this right? Is this on target? And there are many who come in and they weave and they use the people of God and the kingdom of God to sow discord and to pull people away 
And pretty soon people aren't growing in the Lord. They're off on some tangent. Beware of that. It is rampant in the church today. It's rampant in our church. They're among us, but they're not of us. Don't fall for that. Look, it's, the warning is right here in the word of God. And if you think I'm a peddler, then don't come here. Or confront me and we'll talk about it. I'm not saying I'm above being a peddler of the word of God. I'm saying don't listen to people that are going to get you off on tangents and keep you from the aroma of Christ. I know in my life that's a constant spirit-led adjustment. Let's get back to representing Jesus. He sees, speak in the sight of God in Christ, the word says. Many peddlers are not afraid of people but they should definitely be afraid that God sees them because they will answer to him for leading people astray. When people want me to bend on my convictions for the ministry, I often remind myself and I remind them that I will answer to God. Now, I'm not saying I, I shouldn't be accountable, but I will answer to God for the decisions that I made. And I would be miserable bowing to the preferences of people and laying down the convictions that God has given me. Amen? Shouldn't it be that way for all of us? If the Lord has convicted you to minister in a certain way, then do that. Right? If you know it's from the Lord, then do that. At the same time, the word says this. I'm reminded Romans 14, 4. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You have to stand before God with the decisions that you make and the actions that you take. So do I. And so we have these peddlers of the word of God, and I would not want to be one of them on that day of accountability. We'll learn about the judgment seat of Christ in this very book. Those who have taken God's word and twisted it in a way to appeal to people, to capitalize on their flesh or their anger or their bitterness. And I say, oh, I don't want any piece of that. I don't want to be there before the judgment seat of Christ and having all these supposed good works. Lord, look what I did. I preached for your name. And having the consuming fire come in and I'm left with nothing. It was all wood, hay, and stubble because my motives were crooked and I was after something that really was not the kingdom of God sincerely serve the word. When you do that, the Lord will just strip you down over and over again in your heart. Get rid of the motives and the intentions that might appeal to your flesh, but are really not who he is. Sincerely. Paul could say before God, this is what he says here, but as of sincerity, each one of us should be able to say that. I am sincerely serving God, and when those crooked mo motives and actions get in the way, I just dump them, because I can get, get way off. He reminds the Corinthian church of this grave danger. This day, this week, if the Lord should give us a full week, how can you smell more like Jesus? How can you and in every interaction, and even in your alone time with God, how can you diffuse the fragrance of Christ? 
There's a subtlety there. And I'm asking God to teach me what that's like. Are you? Like, Lord, I want to be sharp. I want to be pure. I want to be bold. But I also pay attention to the leading of your spirit. All around me, there are people, including my brothers and sisters, who need this sense of you. And it's supposed to come through me. When you sense it in each other, praise God for it. That's iron sharpening iron. You know this, you've got your chainsaw, you got your axe, and if it's in the dirt, it doesn't get more sharp. It gets more dull, right? Let's not be dirt for one another. Let's be iron for one another. People say, iron sharpens iron. I I don't want to be gathered with the church and just be getting dirt all over me. I want us to be encouragements to each other in what is good. Today, if the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is what you need to receive, we're here to pray with you. If you know, I haven't made a decision. God's love used to stink to me, but now it smells good. And I'm ready to just breathe it in. I'm ready to take it on. Today, the word of God says, it's not my saying, it's God's saying, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you can say, Lord, I belong to you. Save me. Give me a a new destiny. Set me on your path. Lord Jesus, right now with every attentive soul, I thank you that we are privileged with being your ambassadors. Lord, yes, we have the, the title, but let it be true of us. Let us literally smell like you to this world. And if they should choose, Lord, to reject you, let it grieve us. And let us just keep on emanating the sweet aroma. It's not of us, Lord. We, you wouldn't get sweetness just from us apart from you. But with you changing and molding and working in us, oh, how different it is. We thank you for this day of worship, this day of growth, this day of fellowship. We pray that it would be a time when we're putting our armor on even tighter, Lord. We pray that it would be a day where we're stirred up, where we're scratched so that we can smell the way that we should. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.